Calling all Jets fans and foodies. What's going on, guys? I'm Brandon Rewicki, the host of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Look, if you love Jets hockey, this is the place for you. In-depth breakdowns from every game, a deep dive into the big plays and moments from Winnipeg's season, and all the Jets talk you will not find anywhere else. We got it for you on Skates and Plates. Plus, if you love carbs and everything tasty, we jump into the world of food as well. Once a week, we also speak with a member of the local culinary scene to highlight their great stories and the great food they put out. So there it is. Hockey, Jets, food, drink, everything good in life. It's right here on Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. Pigskin fans, the moment you've been waiting for all season is right around the corner. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55, is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you will get an instant free prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, enter the free prediction challenge, answer questions like who will score last, and boom, get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you think you are as smart, if not smarter, than any analyst out there giving these predictions, put your money where your mouth is, make some bets, and get this money. Call to action. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Again, the promo code is THPN. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use the promo code THPN now and enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge. Again, the promo code is THPN. Only at DraftKings the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms, conditions, and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome to New York. Devil's State of Mind podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Now here's your host, Neil Villapiano. Woo! What is going on, Devils fans? It is once again your boy, Neil Villapiano, and welcome back to another exciting edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here 
on the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the best place to get the most up-to-date news and topics going on about your New Jersey Devils. As always, thank you guys so very much for taking some time out of your day to check this episode out. We do greatly, greatly appreciate it. We always have great things to talk about, great topics and great discussions, as I said, to talk about here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. And today, like always, is certainly no exception. Here today, this is what we have in store. So we're going to talk about the two previous games the Devils have played between the New York Rangers and the New York Islanders. I'm recording this actually on Sunday, January 24th. So I will not be talking about the Devils game versus the New York Islanders that'll be going on later on tonight. So by the time you guys hear this episode tomorrow, you will already have known what happened in that game. But I'm going to go over the two games that happened during this past week. I will also be discussing the Devils claiming a new goaltender off of waivers. And we are also going to be talking about some news that happened with some of the players on the Devils that have yet to play a game yet, but we got some really good news. And we're also going to be examining a major blockbuster trade that happened in the National Hockey League this past Saturday, the 23rd. And I want to talk about that as well. So as always, we have a bunch to get to here on this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and drop the puck. So we're going to kick things off by recapping the Devils taking on the New York Rangers this past Tuesday, the 19th. And, you know, obviously there was a lot of excitement from the Devils perspective, as well as the Rangers perspective. It's the first of eight meetings between these two teams. We know that in just about a month and a half, we will be having that exciting four game series between the Devils and the Rangers. But this was the first time that these two teams were going to face off game one is in Matt was at Madison Square Garden and there was a lot of hype. You know, you have Jack Hughes on the Devils looking to try to rebound into his sophomore year. You have Alexis Lafreniere who's getting his first taste of the Hudson River rivalry for the Rangers. You have Capo Caco. You have a bunch of other guys and you have some new guys in the Devils as we all know. So there was a lot of hype going into this game. And the Devils right away 32 seconds in made a statement as Travis Zajac scored off of a rebound that passed goaltender Shesterkin from the New York Rangers and gave the Devils a 1-0 lead. And throughout the entire first period, the Devils were far and away the better team. They were aggressive. They got pucks to the net. They were tremendous. And early on this season, that was arguably their best period. And that's something that I want to see this team continue to do as the season progresses because it's going to be very, very important. It was more of a back and forth second period, including two goals and an assist for Jack Hughes. So Jack Hughes finally got himself a couple of goals and he really was on fire in that second period. It just seemed like that he could just not be stopped. And that second goal where he blocked the shot and then was able to get a partial breakaway and beat the goaltender was awesome. And, you know, people were talking about social media, new Jack city. I love it. Jack Hughes. It's tremendous. And he did finish that game with a three-point night. And also, by that, by the end of that game and that night, Jack Hughes had, has already had six points and was one of the top point getters in the NHL. Now, obviously, things have changed since the last time the Devils played, but that was something to mention at that point. But then you had some other good things. The Devils were able to get another power play goal. 
from Miles Wood, which gave him a goal in three straight games. He's already got three goals on the year. And to be honest, that puck was kicked in. I'm not going to argue it. I'm surprised the Rangers didn't make the decision to, you know, challenge the play and see if they could get it reversed. And I think it actually would have been reversed had they challenged it. But as the hockey gods like to do, they kind of did the Rangers a favor and, you know, obviously forced the challenge later on in the game because the Devils were up 4-2. to two, And then P.K. Subban got a wrist shot from the point that went through a couple of players and into the net. And right away, boom, it's 5-2. to two. But the Rangers decided to challenge that play for offsides. And it started with Kyle Palmieri going into the zone. He lost the puck for a second, regained it, but his momentum carried him offsides. And at first, I didn't really agree with the call. But then I thought about it. I said, yeah, you know what? It did look offsides. And also, that was a compensatory call for the fact that the Rangers didn't challenge the other goal. So whether people want to say, oh, the Devils, they really only scored three goals, not four, because two of them didn't happen. It, it doesn't matter now. It, it's mute, basically. But they called it offsides. And I felt like after that call, the Devils just went into what I call their usual defensive shell. Because the rest of that period, and really the majority of the third, the Devils were pretty much trying to hold on to the lead as best as they could. Now, obviously, Devils fans, you and I both know that when the Devils usually try to hold on and protect the lead, it doesn't end up working out. Sometimes it does. And on this particular night, it did. As Mackenzie Blackwood finished making 47 saves out of 50 shots that he faced, and the Devils were able to hold on for a 4-3 victory on the road against the New York Rangers. And that was a great start for the Devils in the Battle of the Hudson River. Lindy Ruff, who was, as we all know, an assistant coach for the Rangers the last couple of years, was able to get a little bit of revenge from that game. But again, when you look at how the Devils started that game, they started like a house on fire. They were aggressive. They got pucks to the net. They did exactly what I want to see them do as the year continues to go on. This is a young offensive minded team. We have guys that could put the back in the put the puck in the back of the net consistently. And I want to see that more because we have that capability. But again, once that that offsides decision was made. And instead of it being five to two, it stated four to two. The Devils all of a sudden decided to back off and play defense. And we can't, you can't afford to do that with a young team, with a defense that's still trying to build itself up and everything like that. And you're putting your goaltender, in this case, Mackenzie Blackwood, in a position where he has to basically stand on his head. And we've seen that way too many times early on in his career where the defense is just not giving him the support that it needs. And I hope as the season continues to move forward, that happens less and less. And for me, I look at it and I say, you want to know what's the best way to protect the lead? Keep scoring. Because if you continue to add on goal after goal after goal, even if you may give up a goal or two, it's going to demoralize emotionally and psychologically the other team. So in that case, it would have been better for the Devils to continue to be aggressive. But in this case, they were lucky to still find a way to get a victory. I actually believed that the Rangers were going to eventually tie the game and that the Devils were probably going to lose in overtime or shootout because I had seen that type of game happen before where we had a multiple goal lead and blew it. But luckily in this case, they didn't do that and they were able to get that victory. 
Later on in this past week, the Devils announced that they had claimed goaltender Aaron Dell off of waivers from the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I know the Maple Leafs were frustrated that they had to give up or pretty much put Aaron Dell on waivers and that he was picked up by the Devils. And I know that the Maple Leafs, they wanted to keep him, but also they were dealing with Jason Spezza and his situation. And it was kind of one or the other. And they ended up keeping Spezza instead of keeping Aaron Dell. Now, for those of you that don't know Aaron Dell, Dell has played the majority of his career, if not his whole career, with the San Jose Sharks. He was going to obviously play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but he actually never suited up for a game. Throughout his NHL career, Aaron Dell has a 48, 34, and 12 record with a 2.76 goals against average and a 9.08 save percentage. Dell is the newest acquisition for the Devils as they picked up goaltender Eric Comrie off of waivers the week before, as we talked about on the Monday's edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. We talked about it a little bit. So the Devils obviously are trying very hard to find a solid backup goaltender for Mackenzie Blackwood. We all know that the unfortunate circumstance of Corey Crawford deciding to retire before he even played one game with the Devils, it threw the Devils' plans, you know, to, through a loop. And, you know, we looked at it and said, well, we got Scott Wedgwood. We have Gilgis Sen. Now we just picked up Comrie and Aaron Dell. We have a lot of different options here. The Devils moved Gilgis Sen from being the third goaltender or on the taxi squad to the AHL. So he'll have time to work with um, Cormier down in Binghamton when that season gets underway very, very shortly. But now we have really four goaltenders at this point when it comes to, you know, the situation that we have. We have Mackenzie Blackwood, we have Scott Wedgwood, we have Comrie, and now we have Dell. Dell at the moment, even now at the time of this recording on the 24th of January, has yet to be done with his quarantining. He came from Toronto, and now because of the whole restrictions and everything, he has to quarantine, I think, like two weeks before he is eligible to get ready to play. So it's going to be still a little while before we get an opportunity to see him actually play. So again, it's going to be Scott Wedgwood, at least for now, and maybe Comrie if Lindy Ruff feels that they need to do something and make somewhat of a change. And then you go to the game on Thursday against the New York Islanders. It was the first of two. Again, like I mentioned, the second one is actually happening later on tonight at 7 o'clock. So hopefully the Devils can rebound and, you know, get a victory on home ice and get their third victory already of the very, very short start to the season. But we got some good news several hours before the game even started. Lindy Ruff, while he was talking to the media, he did confirm that Jesper Bratt has officially made it to the United States, is in New Jersey, and right now is quarantining. Ruff also said that he has been showing Jesper Bratt a lot of video of the games the Devils have already played and what he can do to you know, help the team moving forward. And that's a really exciting thing. So now we know that really Jesper Bratt is only days away. I did hear from a couple of Devils sources that most likely the earliest that Jesper Bratt can be eligible to start practicing and playing would be this upcoming Wednesday, the 27th of January. So obviously that's great news. And, you know, again, the biggest offseason, you know, talking points that we all had was could the Devils get both restricted free agent Mackenzie Blackwood and RFA just for Brad to contracts. 
They eventually got them both. And Jesper Bratt needed a work visa while he was still, you know, staying in Sweden. He got it and was able to, you know, get over here. And that's really a great thing. When it comes to defenseman Sammy Bottinen, though, Lindy Ruff said that he's hoping to get good news within the next couple of days. He's still speaking about Sammy Bottinen. He has not gotten his work visa yet from Finland to come over here and start quarantining. And that's really frustrating. And I know some people want, and I've seen it on Twitter. Trust me, I've seen it. And some people have asked me, they said, why in the world is someone like Matt Tennyson still on the top six for the defensive pairings? And I said, look, the reality is simply this. It's one of two things, or it's both. Number one, he really is just a placeholder until Sammy Botnan can get over here. And number two, yes, we still have Will Butcher. Yes, we still have Connor Carrick. But I think the reason why Lindy Ruff hasn't made any changes is primarily because I think maybe both Carrick and Butcher are taking a little bit longer to understand the system that Lindy Ruff wants in place. Also, Lindy Ruff has been the type of coach, and you can speak to Sabres fans and Stars fans who have seen him in the past. If something is working, he doesn't want to do anything to change it. He wants to keep it going as long as possible. And even though Lindy Ruff has made some moves going into tonight's game against the Islanders with Yanni Kokkinen, Travis Zajac, and Miles Wood all being on that second line, and Nikita Gusev being moved down to the second to the third line with Nate Bastian and Michael McLeod, for the most part, Ruff likes to keep everything virtually the same. But again, you never you never know what's going to happen. But I think when it comes to Vatnin, we're going to see obviously some changes be made once Vatnin actually gets over here which again, we all hope was in the next couple of days, he can get that work visa and start coming over to New Jersey and quarantining because we all want to see the Devils get to full strength as quick as possible. And then also, again, a little bit of news talking about from Nico Heischer's standpoint was that Lindy Ruff said that basically Nico is continuing to, to progress very well. He's actually been skating the last couple of days. And again, there is no timeline as to when he really is going to be ready to go. And somebody shared this recently about how I think it was two or three years ago when Taylor Hall was listed as day-to-day and then he ended up missing like 38 games and people are wondering, are we going to get this? Is, an- is this another Mike Camilleri situation where Camilleri was listed day-to-day and missed something like 40, the last 40 some odd games of the year and didn't play the rest of the season? You know, I understand how we could all feel that way. Let's try not to think that way. Let's look at it as, look, He's still trying to recover from the injury, and hopefully it's not very long. And Lindy Ruff obviously is giving us positive notes. Let's just see what happens. Let's just try to focus on the team that we have now. And then when that decision has to be made at some point, then we could start worrying and talking about it. I think that's the best way we can all handle it at, that po- at this point. But obviously there was a lot of excitement as well going into this back-to-back series, if you want to call it that against the New York Islanders. You know, the Islanders got up, have gotten up to a very solid start. There's a lot of hype around them. They're definitely a team that not only will make the playoffs, in my opinion, but be a team that can definitely compete for a Stanley Cup this year. And the Devils got dealt with another dose of bad news. Just about an hour before the pregame show for the Devils, the, the team announced that goaltender Mackenzie Blackwood was going to be put on the COVID-19 protection list. I think that's what they call it. Now, again, this was a oh no type of thing. And we all knew this was coming at some point. We knew that we were going to have to deal with something like this with COVID 
because every team has dealt with it. Look at the Dallas Stars. They had to delay their start to the season until just a couple of days ago. I mean, they were dealing with so many COVID cases. We're not in a bubble right now. And there is still very possibility that people can get COVID. And with the new variant that we're dealing with now, it just makes it more of a, you know, you, you kind of expect it that at some point you're going to have to deal with it. But for Mackenzie Blackwood and for any player, we have to remember this. And I retweeted this from, you know, a couple people. Just because somebody is put on that list does not immediately guarantee that they have COVID. There's a couple reasons that they could be on that list. Number one is that they could get a false positive. There's always that possibility that they got tested. They, they, it said positive. They put them on the list just to, be, just to be sure. Another reason, they could have come into contact with somebody that has COVID-19 and they have to test negative a couple times just to make sure. And I forgot necessarily why the other ones were. I heard somebody said that one of them was also that, you know, they may use it to just give, some, give Blackwood a chance to rest and, you know, have Comrie be the backup and not even put him in a situation where he may have to come in to replace the goaltender that gets shelled in the game if that ends up happening. There's a, there's a bunch of reasons why. And so, obviously, it's a frustrating thing. And even now, Mackenzie Blackwood is still on the COVID list. So, Scott Wedgwood, I heard, is getting the start in the second game against the Islanders. So, that doesn't give us a whole lot of confidence, especially with what happened in this game against the Islanders the first time around. And really, this was Scott Wedgwood's first start in about three years. The last time he really started a game, I think, was back in 2018. So it, it clearly was going to be some getting used to for Scott Wedgwood. And the team looked really flat in the first period. They looked like how they had finished the game against the Rangers. They gave up two goals in the first period, and they're down two to nothing. They played a much better second period. They were a lot more of the aggressive team. And Nate Bastian was able to score his first goal of the year to cut the deficit to just one. Ty Smith got an assist on that goal, which now gives him points in four straight games to start his career. So tonight he'll be looking to make it five games in a row if he gets at least one point. And that third line of Yanni Kokinen, excuse me, that fourth line actually of Yanni Kokinen. Nate Bastian and Michael McLeod was the best line that entire night. And that's not really great because they also did give up a goal on a bad, you know, behind the back or drop off pass that Michael McLeod tried to tried to make. And it resulted in giving up a goal. And that was kind of one of those backbreaking situations for the Devils. I felt pretty confident going into the third period that the Devils, if they continue to play this way, that they could get back in this one. But they took two really bad penalties to start the third period, gave up goals on both of them, and ended up losing 4-1. to one. Without a doubt, that was the worst Devils game we have seen. And that was only the fourth game of the year. So obviously we knew this was coming, being a young team, being an inexperienced team, trying to create chemistry and all the things that we're dealing with. You know, we knew that something like this was going to happen. And we're facing a very, very tough defensive-oriented Islanders team that plays their system so well with a lot of great, solid defensemen, tremendous goaltending from Simeon Barlamov, who was looking at that moment to try to get his third shutout to start the year. So luckily for us, we were the first team to solve Semyon Barlamov. I don't know exactly if Barlamov is getting the start for the Islanders tonight, but if he is, hopefully the Devils can get a couple more goals past them and more importantly, get the victory. But again, it was a definitely a disappointing game to watch. It was frustrating, especially how they started 
that third period. I mean, it put the game out of reach and you can't do that. You got to be more disciplined in those situations. And I'll tell you this right now, the two guys through four games that have really disappointed me are Kyle Palmieri and Nikita Gusev. You know, I'm the biggest Nikita Gusev fan. I, I love Goose. I love what he did last year, but he has really gotten off to a slow start. He's had a couple chances. He's missed the net. His shots are not 100% there. And I do agree with Ken Danico in a way that once Gusev gets that first one, he's really going to get going again. With Paul Mary, I'm not really sure exactly what's going on. I think it's worth, you know, making a decision, maybe move some lines around, maybe move Paul Mary to some other place. I know some people are suggesting maybe benching him. That might not necessarily be that bad of an idea. And again, if Palmieri doesn't continue to improve, if he continues to play this way, it's going to make it very easy for the Devils to pretty much move on from him after this year. And it may not give the Devils very much of an opportunity to get a lot of value for him if they do decide to trade him at the deadline, depending on the Devils' situation once we get to that point. But again, those two guys have been really the most disappointing. I'm really nervous about the fact that Scott Wedgwood at times just did not look good. He really did. He looked very uncomfortable. I don't know what to say about Eric Comrie. I don't know what he could do. I would have liked to see him play tonight to kind of give us an idea. But obviously this shows, and you could see from the title of the episode, if you clicked on it from the Twitter account at Devil State, you know, we really do need backup when it comes to the goaltending. We need to find that solid backup goaltender for Mackenzie Blackwood. We did have that with Corey Crawford, but again, you know, he'd made the decision to retire and that's something that kind of went out of the devil's control. So now the devils have to kind of scramble and hope that maybe, you know, Aaron Dell, when he's ready to go is that guy. And I think the devils are going to want to hope that he could be that solid backup. He has the most experience. Um, I shared something on Twitter where I asked you guys to kind of give your opinion as to which goaltender you would feel most comfortable with when it comes to, you know, being the backup. A lot of you said Aaron Dell, because you wanted that experience. And I want that as well. And I've watched Aaron Dell plenty of times playing for the San Jose Sharks. He did really solid for a team that really struggled last year and underperformed massively. He did very well. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he can do to help this young Devils team win some games that continue to be competitive. But again, it was a disappointing game against the Islanders on Thursday. And hopefully things will turn around going into tonight's game against these same Islander team. Don't know what kind of decisions Barry Trotz is going to do with his lineup, but I want to say this to kind of end this part of the entire segment. I want to see the Devils come out like a house on fire and stay that way for all 60 minutes. If they can do that and do that consistently, they're going to be a very tough team to, to play. I would much rather see them win games six to five, seven to six, then win them two to one, three to two with us having to play, you know, 30 minutes of penalty kill time because we're just falling back on defense. I know a lot of guys in this team still have the, you know, words of John Hines in their heads and it's going to take some time for these guys to get it out of their system. But again, Lindy Ruff needs to continue to harp on. We have to be more aggressive in the offensive zone. He talked about that earlier today at morning skate. He wanted the team to get more pucks to the net. And I hope to see that going into tonight's game against the Islanders, which in the next episode, which will come out this upcoming Thursday, you'll hear me recap that game. And we'll talk about, you know, what happened in that one. But again, the bottom line is that the Devils have been off to a very solid start, you know, getting points in three of the first four games, 
two, one and one. I mean, they're being competitive. And as long as they do not put themselves in those defensive positions where they're falling back and constantly having to play 25, 30 minutes of what seems like a penalty kill, they're going to be fine. And we got to get some of these guys like, like Palmieri, like Gusev, like Yanni Klokinen. We have to get some guys going here, get them on the score sheet and really, you know, get the offense rolling. And hopefully also with some guys like Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer, Sammy Vatnin coming relatively soon and playing for this team that we can continue to improve as the season moves along. But the last thing I want to talk about here, and this is not really necessarily Devils related, although it very well could be down the road, maybe even in the offseason. But we've talked about this guy a couple of times here on the podcast because of, you know, rumors that were thrown out involving the Devils. But I want to talk about a blockbuster trade that happened just yesterday on Saturday, January 23rd at around, I want to say it was around 10, 1030 in the morning. And this was kind of brewing from the day before on Friday that this was going to end up happening. The Winnipeg Jets traded Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic to the Columbus Blue Jackets for Pierre-Luc Dubois and a second-round pick. And then the Columbus Blue Jackets gave Roslovic a new deal since he needed one in order to keep playing after he got traded. It was a two-year, $3.8 million deal. Pierre-Luc Dubois had signed a two-year bridge deal, which was worth about $10 million before the season began with the Columbus Blue Jackets. And Patrick Laine is a restricted free agent at the end of this year, still looking for that big money deal. Now, this rumor about Laine being traded had been going on for the past now two years. I think it's somewhat of a relief now to most hockey fans that finally this happened, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was the only time that maybe Laine gets moved because I look at it this way. The Columbus Blue Jackets probably are going to be one of the four teams to come out of that central division. I would be shocked if they didn't. But if they don't, and let's say they're really struggling, and because we know that it's going to be really interesting with John Tortorella having to coach Patrick Laine, things could get out of hand very quickly. You know, the Blue Jackets may be in a position where maybe they just try to trade him to get assets, and they go from there. A lot of people I've spoken to don't believe that either Pierre-Luc Dubois nor Patrick Laine is going to stay in their respective teams long-term. I don't know about that, but again, if Patrick Laine is a restricted free agent and he decides that he doesn't want to stay in Columbus, I would like to hope that maybe with, depending on the situation with the Devils, that maybe they try to take a chance on romance and try to give him an offer. I don't know if Laine would want to come to a team like the Devils. I think a lot would have to depend on how the season progresses, where the team finishes, where we're going, and go from there. But I know that Fitzgerald is way more big on trying to get the young kids going. Guys like Alexander Holtz, which, by the way, it was his birthday about a day ago. So happy belated birthday to Alexander Holtz. We have some other guys like Dawson Mercer, Graham Clark. So, again, if the Devils were to get Patrick Laine, it would be definitely have to be a free agent thing. And that would be the best case scenario for the Devils to get a guy like him. But even though he is a 40 goal scorer, even though he is, you know, a tremendous guy with a nose for the goal, you know, is that the only thing that he brings to the table? And some people say that his ceiling is something like Mike Hoffman, which is not really a great thing when you really think about it. But again, with Lonnie being as young as he is, 22, 23 years of age, and with the Devils having relatively solid 
cap situation over the next couple of years, it could make a lot of sense for the Devils to make a run at him. And I wouldn't be, let me say it this way. I think it would make sense to do it. I just don't think that Fitzgerald would do it because he may look at it and say, we already have players in place here that we want to keep long-term and we don't want to do that. Plus you have a guy like Kyle Palmieri and also Nikita Gusev who are both in the last year of their contracts with the Devils having to make a decision as to what they want to do with them. But let's say neither one of them comes back that might give the Devils even more cap space to go after somebody like him. But again, you know, people were talking about, are the, should the Devils make a trade for Patrick Laine? Again, unless the Devils were willing to give up a lot of their really good prospects, Fitzgerald wasn't going to make that move. He just wasn't. And you saw, obviously, that the Jets did not get necessarily the value that they were looking for in the offseason. They didn't get a defenseman. They didn't get anything like that. They got a great player in Pierre-Luc Dubois. But again, I, I don't think either player is going to be fully comfortable being in their situation. Things could change. And the fun thing about Jack Roslovic is that he's actually from, he's an Ohio native. He's from the Columbus area. So for him, he gets a chance to go home. He spoke to Line about, you know, this is a great city, very passionate fan base. Obviously, there's no fans, but again, you get the point. But, you know, it's still early in the season. Line is still dealing with an injury. So, you know, with quarantining and also trying to get into game shape again, it's going to take some time. Uh, Roslovic, I think it's going to be the same thing. And Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, I think the quarantine's less because he took a private jet to Winnipeg, I heard. So there's that situation, kind of weird, but it is what it is. But this was obviously a situation where both teams had disgruntled players that wanted out and they got it done. Now, again, do I think these guys are going to be there long-term from a fan standpoint? I hope that's not the case. Cause again, I would love to see the devils go after somebody like him. I think line a with his scoring ability would be able to benefit really well from the players that we have, even though he might not be the greatest defensive forward. We still have other guys that can fill that those type of roles. And we go from there but it would be great to add a guy who can average 30, 35, 40 goals a season, because I think we desperately need that along with some of the other young talent that we have on this roster, but we'll see how things progress as the season goes along. Maybe line just ends up signing a long-term deal in the next couple of months with Columbus. And that's all she wrote. And, and that's just how it's going to be, but we'll, we'll see. But I wanted to talk about this because again, I wanted to make this clear that even though I would love to see the devils go after and get line, even in a trade, it just wasn't going to happen. The Devils usually don't make the moves like this anymore. You know, Lou Lamorello is not the GM. We're not going out there and getting the likes of Doug Gilmore or Dave Anderchuk or Joe Newendike or McGilney or Jeff Friesen. We're not going out and getting guys like that anymore. So because we're a rebuilding team, you know, Fitzgerald was not going to do that. But if Fitzgerald still wants to go after Line A and he's available in the free agent market, even if he's an RFA, you know, it might be that way. And again, because he's an RFA, they might have to do somewhat of a sign and trade, which maybe Fitzgerald doesn't want to do either. So we'll, we'll see. But again, this is a really, really big trade, a blockbuster trade, a trade that was kind of happening considering what was going on in Columbus with Pierre-Luc Dubois getting benched in the third period of his last game, what pretty much was his last game with the Columbus Blue Jackets. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see how Liney deals with, you know, John Tortorella as his head coach, if he's going to be comfortable is it going to work out? I don't know. But Columbus, in my opinion, got a lot better. Um, obviously, losing Pierre-Luc Dubois up the middle is definitely tough. 
but I think that they can rebound from that. I think that they have a lot more scoring, a little bit more grittiness when it comes to Roslovic. And I think this is a team that this doesn't necessarily feel as similar to when they made the move to try to get someone like Matthew Shane a couple of years ago and just get into the playoffs. I think this is a Blue Jackets team that wants to make a run. And I think that they feel that where their main guys are, that they are in that opportunity to do so. So we'll see what happens. But this was a big trade, and we'll see how it goes for both sides. What's going on, Devils fans? It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey Devils. If you want to check out more of the podcast, here's what you do. You go wherever you listen to podcasts, so that could be Spotify, that could be iTunes, that could be Google Podcasts, you know, where, wherever you listen to podcasts, you go and you search Devil's State of Mind, and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both Mondays and Thursdays. Please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network, and you can see all the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil's State, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at H-O-C-K-E-Y, Hockey, P-O-D, Pod, N-E-T, Net. If you want to listen to more of my voice, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast, where I talk about all things going on in the wide world of sports. New episodes go out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Presents channel on YouTube, where just like the podcast, I talk about different topics that are going on in the world of sports as well. New videos go out every single Tuesday on YouTube. So it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents, and you will find it. Again, new videos out every Tuesday. You can stay up to date with all the new episodes and videos by following me on my personal Twitter at T-H-E-N-V-P-S-H-O-W, my personal Instagram at N-V-P-Q-B-11, and also Mofobo Network on Facebook. And last, but certainly not least, go check out both my books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble right now. The first is J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Agony and the Ecstasy, Nah, No Ecstasy, of being a Jets fan. This book is about all the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So from all the painful moves, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership decisions, you know, where, you know, anything we could think of, it's in this book. So this is really for the Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know some one of those, or if you just want to support me, go check out that book. The other book that I just published recently is titled Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. This one is all about the regrets of being a Mets fan. And even through world championships in 1969 and 1986, there was so much regret 
between those years, between those years, as well as the years following 1986. Both of these books are available for both hardcover and ebook for the price of 1969. So if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan, or by some chance you're both, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So again, please go check out both of those books. The first one, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Pain and Suffering of Being a New York Jets Man, and also Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. So once again, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Villapiano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the amazing people that you are, you know, every single day, you know, always remember to just be yourself and continue to kick absolute butt. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!